0: Barefooting with Sierra uses Buzzsprout. Just start with the equipment you already have and a quiet space, add Buzzsprout, and your podcast is ready to go. You'll get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into other websites, detailed analytics to show how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners. Following the link in the show notes lets Buzzsprout know I sent you, gets you a $20 Amazon gift card if you sign up for a paid plan, and help support the show. The team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout and get your message out to the world. Hello, and welcome to the 13th episode of Barefooting with Sierra. My name is Sierra Larson, better known as Barefoot Sierra. I'm a novelist, comic creator, and independent journalist, and I have been living without shoes since 2010. I created this podcast to keep my audiences in touch with all of my projects to talk about things I care about, and to interact with the awesome people in my various professional networks. In this episode, I interview Danielle Smith, the face behind Nerdy Girl Comics. I'm going to break this podcast up into four parts. Novels, comics, journalism, and barefooting, each representing a different aspect of my professional life. I will give you updates on what I'm working on, let you know about any new works you can see, and keep you in the know about when I do free book giveaways on Amazon. Let's get started. First up, novels. I hit a creative block with my post-bellum romance today. I just couldn't make the scenes work, inspiration wasn't flowing, so I took a break from it just for today and wrote a 2300-word fantasy romance. I think it has potential for a novella series if I decide to develop it, but it was a fun creative exercise either way. My third novel, Red 72 Exodus, is available as a free ebook on Amazon through February 8th. Make sure you grab it while it's free. This is the third book in my Red 72 series, and it will make more sense if you have read Red 72 and Red 72 Genesis before you start this one, but it functions well enough as a standalone that you don't absolutely have to read those for it to work. In novel news today, Lynn Cam and Mad Samurai Productions have partnered to bring Eric Walter's The Rule of Three series to the small screen. Cam will executive produce the series based on the post-apocalyptic dystopian novels. Cam, who wrote the scripts for Transplant, Ransom, and Letterkenny, said in a statement, With the rule of three, Eric invites us into the vibrant, complex, messy lives of youth as they crash into adulthood, just as the world around them changes the rules. It's a big story, told through an intimate lens, with all the winning ingredients—heart, humor, and humanity. Star Wars novelist E.K. Johnston has been raising heck over on Twitter with her hard-hitting statements on gender and race equality lately. Johnston has written several Star Wars novels, including Ahsoka, Queen's Shadow, and Queen's Peril. There are so many golden tweets to choose from, so go check her out at EK underscore Johnston. My personal favorite from the last few days is one she tweeted yesterday. It reads, quote, Anyway, this is why conservatives keep white women around, so they can glass-cliff them, and pretend they've solved the problem without actually losing anyone they care about. The term glass cliff refers to placing someone in a position of power in order for them to fail. White women in conservative politics tend to get promoted to higher up positions when things are going poorly. Because they're at the top and therefore responsible for the big mess that someone else created, they get blamed for it. And then, instead of actually fixing anything, the party fires them and acts like they solved the problem. Theresa May is a somewhat recent example of this. She became prime minister of the UK right after they voted for Brexit and she was immensely unpopular because people thought she was doing a bad job of fixing the mess they created. So they voted her out, and now things are still going badly because they voted for someone pretty incompetent, but he's a man. Anyway, E.K. Johnston is getting a lot of lashback from people on Twitter who are pointing out that she too is a white woman, so why is she criticizing them? And of course it's mostly men in the replies. Now on to comics. A few weeks ago, I did a comic about how my landlord was renovating the suite above mine, and it sounded like a jackhammer on my ceiling. The good news is that they finished at the end of January. The bad news is that the people who move into the suite are, well, just take a look at today's comic and you'll get the point. Petunia got some new neighbors too, and they're rabbits. Now for my interview with Danielle Smith of Nerdy Girl Comics. Hi, Danielle. Thanks so much for joining me on the podcast. Please
1: tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you're from, and what you do. Hey, so I'm Danielle. Most know me as Nerdy Girl or Nerdy Girl Comics over on Instagram. Um, I have been buying, selling, trading comic books for over 15 years, and I dove into video games like three years ago, and then I dabble in original art a little bit, but just for collecting. Awesome. So how did you first get into the comic book industry? Um, So my boyfriend was doing it when we met like 16 years ago. And I was like, what is this? Like, this is crazy to me. It was kind of like, um, I don't know, looking back now and I say this all the time, but I kind of equate like comic book collecting and comic cons to an underground secret society of people. We're like, no one really knows what goes on and like how awesome the people are until you're in it and part of it. And you're living that life. It is, it is pretty
0: awesome. Yeah. (laughs) How has COVID-19 pandemic been affecting your
1: business? So I have to say, and sometimes I feel bad saying this, but COVID has been amazing in my business. Um, I think people are stuck home and they don't have anything to spend money on. They're not traveling. They're not going out to dinner all the time. So they're looking in the stock market is kind of crazy right now. So people look for other tangible investments to put their money into and they're coming into comic books. They're coming into video games. And I have a lot of first time purchasers that I get to meet. And for me, That's so exciting, right? Because my favorite part of conventions is the people. So I have had like this huge void in my soul because I need that. Like, it's fun for me. It's tedious. Like, I was talking to one of my girlfriends yesterday and I was like, you know, sometimes people um, get really upset with me because I don't read comic books but they don't understand how hard I work in this hobby. Like you'll see me and I do shows by myself. Um, So if you see me in an airport, I've got like my rack over my shoulder in one hand. I have my backpack. That's my vault full of my best books. I'm trailing a suitcase. I'm also trailing with me a short box on a luggage rack. So for me, like, Doing shows has been like this huge void, but Instagram has been a huge blessing. That is a lot of checked bags to take to a show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, it is uh, out, it's like insanity. Like TSA agents always give me like that little side look. And then they're like, in the beginning, like going back 15 years ago, they'd be like, what is this? We're searching your bag, we're checking everything we this looks like stacks of paper and now they're like, "Oh, you collect comic books that's so cool so like the whole even the industry has changed everything
0: <laughs> uh, that's awesome yeah i I'm an author and every time I fly with my books, I get searched. It's
1: like why right do you have 500 like- books? <laughs> right
0: <laughs> <laughs> why do I wrong this with you, <laughs> you? <laughs> yeah it's good it's not yeah. just me <laughs> it's
1: not just you no <laughs>
0: uh-huh.
1: that's that is actually a small comfort <laughs> it feels good knowing you're not alone
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's a running joke with my best friends like so how many times did you get searched on the way here
1: <laughs> right. well just a couple or like I have had like um gate agents tell me I can't bring my box on the plane and I'm like, you don't understand. I'm not giving you my box to put under the plane. First of all, that's not coming out in the um, conveyor belt. Second of all, I know for a fact, if it doesn't fit under the seat in front of me, it's fitting in the overhead bin. And every single time I'm like, you can walk down the aisle like the runway with me. I'll show you. It's going to go. Yeah.
0: Well, good for you for sticking up for what you <laughs> Always. know. so you mentioned instagram uh what are some of the ways you've had to adapt to selling from home during the pandemic instead of going to conventions
1: um so i do ebay also um but ebay's fees are so crazy now and i'll consign to auction houses but i've started doing live sales on instagram and i was doing mystery boxes um And then I just like will post books anyways. So I do a lot of private sales one-on-one, but my live sales that I just started doing are so much fun for me. Like I get to get on live, I get to chat with people and they're finding books. You know, before I was doing live sales, I'll still get on and I'll just do um, Q&As on the weekends because... I need that engagement like as much as other people are excited to get that. I'm probably more excited because I get to talk and I love to talk. <laughs> that's I mean that's that's the biggest part of
0: of conventions for me too is getting to meet people and talking yeah. with them. It's so
1: fun. It's it's great. It is cuz you get to learn people's stories and you know, some people they're looking for this grail and they saved up for so long to buy this book. And I'm happy that I get to help their collection grow, or I'm happy to get to know someone and know their backstory. That's awesome. Yeah. So, uh, other than the live Q and A's, what else do you do to keep your
0: online community engaged?
1: Um, I'm posting all the time like people think Instagram is easy it is not easy to build up a following on Instagram I remember a couple years ago I was at a show and it was before I was really um, known on Instagram because like I've had an account for probably 10 years but I would use it for like my own like little like selfies food travel and I had like a little side hustle I was doing for a little while so I would use it for that and I was at a show one day and someone came up to me and they're like, oh, you're that nerdy girl from Instagram. And I'm like, huh? And that's where nerdy girl comics came from, where I was like, well, people know me as nerdy girls. So why don't I just rebrand our business as nerdy girl comics? And at the time, I think I had 800 or less followers. And I made a bet with a friend where I was like, I'm going to beat you to a thousand followers and I'm very competitive and I made it my mission. And now I'm like teetering on 13,000 and it's just been really exciting to watch that growth, but it takes consistency and it takes engagement for sure.
0: It's, it's a lot more work than I think a lot of people realize going in. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
1: So you don't just post yeah.
0: <laughs> and suddenly you have
1: a bajillion followers. It is not
0: that easy. No, <laughs> oh, it's it's a it's a job that's there's a reason why they pay people fifty thousand dollars a year to be social media managers.
1: <laughs> right, truth. So mine has been all organic. I never pay for followers. Um, I never I'll like promote like a really cool game once in a while, but I'm spending like ten dollars. Like I do not pour money into Instagram.
0: <laughs> awesome. So you're a female comic bookseller in a predominantly male industry. Do you think that
1: puts you at an advantage or a disadvantage? Both. Um, There are definitely some dealers who won't deal with me. And some people say it's because I don't read. That's not why. They don't know my collecting habits. I know that it's because I'm a female. And I don't know if it's because they don't think I can afford it. But they know me and they know I can. Um, I just think it's because I'm a female and they're old school. A lot of them are like Southern guys. Um, And it's just a mindset thing. You know, then I have other dealers and they know I'm one of the guys. Like I'll crack dirty jokes. My mouth is probably more foul than theirs. Um, And once people start talking to me, they're like, oh, She actually does know what she's talking about. I can deal with her. When I first started doing shows by myself, people would come up to the booth and I just started telling them, look, you get me or you don't get to buy anything. Like, I don't know what you want to do here, but I'm who you get now. So are we going to do this? (laughs) Yeah. You're not just some booth babe. (laughs) Right. Like I know what I'm talking about. I run this business also. Um, So I just kind of, they didn't give me a seat. I took my seat. Good for you. And what percentage of your sales are to women and girls? So small. So a couple, my first claim sale I did, I had like four women buy stuff for me. And I was so excited because I love seeing females come into this. I feel like there's this barrier that has been put up that it's a boys club. And that like females don't know what they're talking about or they don't understand, but it's not true, right? Like there's so many, and I know a few really, really big, um, high-end collectors that are women that have ridiculous collections. Like the one woman I know has probably the best Wonder Woman collection out there, literally. And she's very low key. I think that they're out there. They're just more low key about it because they have, it's almost like they have to be, but I don't think they should like be vocal, be proud. Like this is an inclusive, well, it should be an inclusive hobby. Yeah. We're all nerds here. (laughs) Right. Like we are all nerds at the end of the day. We nerd out over different things. I love the smell of old paper. It gets me every time to like smell the history of a book, right? Especially from like the 40s. It's, it's a so good, good smell. <laughs> yes. <It's> so good.
0: <laughs> How do you expect your business practices to stay the same after the pandemic
1: in terms of what you're doing now? And what do you think will go back to what you're doing before? Um, so I plan to stick with Instagram. I mean, it's been so good to me and for my business that if nothing else, it'll just be supplemented with conventions. Um, when we go back to the real world, I don't have a brick and mortar store. Um, I keep like our best books offsite locked away and I'll bring like some stuff out for a show sometimes, but, I plan to just rock with Instagram long-term just because it's such a great network of people. Maybe I'll start live streaming from shows more.
0: Awesome. That would be, that would be a lot of fun.
1: <laughs> yeah. So much fun. Give people like an inside look into a New York Comic Con. Yeah. Especially cause it's hard to get
0: into. Right. Yeah. Is there a particular comic or comic series
1: back issue right now that's particularly trending or really popular at the moment? Um, Spidey 361 is on fire right now. I picked up 15 in a collection I got and over my two claim sales, I sold every single copy. Um, Spidey 300 is super trendy. X-Men one is on fire right now. And I don't see that slowing down. Um, Hulk 181 kind of dipped a little bit, but that book is like through the roof again. Like, So these books just go in crazy cycles. Amazing Fantasy 15, you know, that book was in a lull. It's picking up heat again. Um, I think that what happens is a bunch of copies hit the market all at once and the market's not ready for it. And then people get FOMO. So then they're ready because everyone else is picking them up. And that's why we see these prices driving up so rapidly. Awesome. What do you think?
0: makes a particular issue become a collector's item.
1: Oh, that's so hard. There's so much. It's character development. I mean, obviously in comic books, it's very tied now to movies and now TV shows. It wasn't that way until like the last decade. And it's really exciting that it happens now, but it's also like, Oh, I can't get some of these books now because There is a new hot character going on and everyone's collecting it now. Um, So I think it ties in very heavily to whoever, like what character is making a first appearance, who's coming back into the Marvel Universe. Um, Disney getting the rights back for X-Men and Fantastic Four is obviously huge and why we're seeing that reboot now. I just hope that they finally do a good Fantastic Four movie. They have missed every single time. Like, can they please just finally nail it once? That would be nice. Right.
0: Fingers crossed. Right. And toes. Yes. What's the best advice you've got for someone who wants to get started collecting comics?
1: Know your budget. Don't go into debt to do it. And if you're just wanting to collect, then buy what you love. If you're wanting to do it for resale purposes, um, know your profit margins that you want to work off of and stick to that. But again, never, never go into debt on a whim, like only spend what you're okay and can afford losing if it doesn't work out for you.
0: Great advice. Well, thank you so much for joining me. It's been great chatting with you. you. Yes. All right, next up is journalism. I'm still waiting on those court transcripts for my true crime book. I'm getting closer every day to being able to announce the other major journalism project I've been working on, probably within about two weeks that I'll be able to make an announcement on that. Every day in February, I'm going to highlight one influential Black history figure. Today's Black History Month highlight is Fannie Lou Hamer. Shout out to my brother for bringing her to my attention. I had heard her name before in connection with the civil rights movement of the 50s and 60s, but never learned about her story until today. Fannie Lou Hamer was born Fannie Lou Townsend in Montgomery County, Mississippi on the 6th of October 1917, the last of 20 children to Ella and James Lee Townsend. After a local racist poisoned all of the family's livestock, they had to relocate to Sunflower County, Mississippi, and they worked as sharecroppers on the W.D. Marlowe Plantation. Fannie attended school from age 6 to age 12, at which point she had to leave school to help her parents with the sharecropping. She then worked picking 200 to 300 pounds of cotton per day. Oh, and did I mention that she was a polio survivor? So this was extra difficult for her. She continued to work on her reading at her church's Bible study. By the time she was 27, she developed her reading skills to the point that the plantation owner promoted her to record keeper. The following year, 1945, she married Perry Hamer, a tractor driver on the plantation. They remained on the plantation for the next 18 years. The Hamers very much wanted to have children, but Fanny went under a hysterectomy without her knowledge or consent when she went in for surgery to remove a uterine tumor. Forced sterilization of black women was so common in Mississippi at that time that it was known as a Mississippi appendectomy. The Hamers adopted two daughters. One later died of an internal hemorrhage when a hospital refused to admit her due to her mother's civil rights activism. On the 31st of August, 1962, volunteers from the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee informed Fannie that she had the right to vote and traveled with her to get her registered to vote. At that time, it was still legal to require tests in order to register to vote, and these tests were largely designed to keep black people from voting. The test asked her to explain de facto law. In her words, I knowed as much about a facto law as a horse knows about Christmas Day. She failed the test and went back to the plantation. The plantation owner was furious with her for attempting to register to vote, and he told her, We're not ready for that in Mississippi, demanded she withdraw her registration. She refused, and he fired her on the spot. She was required immediately to leave the plantation, but her husband was contractually obliged to stay until the harvest season was done, so she had to stay with various friends over the next several days. On the 10th of September, while staying with her friend Mary Tucker, a drive-by racist shot at the house 16 times. Luckily, no one was injured. The next day, her husband was finished with the harvest, so their family was able to leave. They evacuated to Tallahatchie County, Mississippi. Three months later, Fanny returned to attempt the registration again. She again failed the registration test. She told the clerk to expect to see her every 30 days until she passed. On the 10th of January 1963, she took the test for a third time, and this time she passed. They informed her, hey, congrats, you're a registered voter. But when she went to try to vote, they turned her away because she didn't have a poll tax receipt. This was another way of discouraging African Americans and Native Americans from voting. But Fannie Lou Hamer was not discouraged. She paid the poll tax. She got her receipts. She voted. Because of her experience, she decided to join the Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, the same organization that helped her register to vote so that she could help other black people register to vote. While traveling to attend a pro-citizenship conference in South Carolina with fellow activists, they stopped at a cafe in Winona, Mississippi. The waitress refused to serve them because they were black, and a policeman chased them out because they were black. One of the activists took down the officer's license plate number, which led to the entire group getting arrested because they were black. Fanny was taken to a cell where the police ordered two inmates to beat her with clubs because she was black. They released her on the 12th of June. It took her more than a month to recover from her injuries, and she suffered permanent kidney damage. But she still didn't stop. She kept organizing voter registration drives. In 1964, she co-founded the Mississippi Freedom Democrat Party with Ella Baker and Bob Moses. The MFDP was designed to give a political home to visible minorities ignored by the mainstream Democrat Party. She traveled with other representatives from the party to the 1964 Democrat National Convention, and gave a speech about voter intimidation. In 1968, the MFDP gained official status within the DNC and was allowed to send their own state delegates in addition to the DNC delegates. Even with all of her accomplishments, people still looked down on her for her lack of education. After an unsuccessful run for the Senate, she turned her focus back to community projects, such as Head Start and the Freedom Farm Cooperative. But after so many years of giving so much of herself and being subjected to so much trauma, Fanny had a nervous breakdown. In 1974, she had to be hospitalized for this nervous breakdown. Her health rapidly deteriorated after that. Two years later, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. Fannie Lou Hamer died of complications of breast cancer and hypertension on the 14th of March, 1977, at the age of 59, in Mound Bayou, Mississippi. She was buried in Ruleville, Mississippi. Her tombstone reads, I am sick and tired of being sick and tired, the title of her most famous speech, given in 1964. In today's current events, with temperatures dropping below minus 40 for the next two weeks, Edmonton has activated its extreme weather protocol. Edmonton Transit Service is running free buses all night long on two transit routes, so known as stranded in the cold. Frostbite is an immediate concern for anyone exposed to the extreme cold, and city hospitals have already started to see cases coming in. Environment Canada says a cold snap like this only comes once every 50 years, so at least we won't have to go through it again anytime soon once it's over. Kathleen Quinn, a school crossing guard in Hillsborough County, Florida, is a hero to at least one family. Quinn has worked for the last two years helping children cross the street to and from school by holding up a stop sign for drivers. On the 27th of January, one driver did not stop. Quinn stepped in front of a 7-year-old girl, keeping her from going into the crosswalk and saving her from being hit by the car. The girl's mother called the Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office to tell them about the incident. And the Sheriff's Office honored Quinn as part of Crossing Guard Appreciation Day. Last but not least, let's talk about barefooting. Now that my quarantine's almost over, we're getting doom cold. So no barefooting for me for a while. I like my toes attached to my feet, not frozen off. Thank you very much. In barefoot news today, Norway's Jonas Seveldrud set a new unofficial record for fastest half marathon over ice and snow, and he did it barefoot. Go him. Go him. The previous record was 2 hours, 16 minutes, and 34 seconds, held by Dutch athlete Wim Hof. Druid's final time was 1 hour, 44 minutes, and 58 seconds. He recorded his feat in a video and posted it on YouTube. He's still waiting to hear back from Guinness to find out if he will be the new official world record holder. Police in Melbourne, Australia are searching for the driver of a black Mazda after 33-year-old Ju Zhang went missing. She was last seen at home barefoot and wearing pink pajamas. None of her personal belongings were missing from her home except for her cell phone. The suspected driver of the Mazda is 34-year-old June Ten. Police are concerned for Ms. Zeng's safety and encourage anyone with information about her whereabouts to call police immediately. That's all for today's show. I'll be back tomorrow with another interview, this time with Kira Venable of Lavender Meadows Co. Thanks so much for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, you can send them to sierrathebarefootgirl at gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Sierra the Barefoot, on Facebook as Sierra the Barefoot Girl, on Twitter at Sierra Barefoot, and on TikTok at Sierra is Barefoot. You can follow the podcast itself on Instagram at Barefooting with Sierra. All of my books are available on Amazon. My comics are available on Instagram at World of Possums and Patreon.com slash Pete. Thank you to Legion X for the intro and outro music. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening. And please share it with a friend if you've enjoyed it. Until next time, this has been Barefooting with Sierra.